Go! Good morning, USA. It's time for another podcast. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Good morning, USA. Even though it's uh, twelve twenty in the afternoon. Um, hey, look. Today we're going to talk about Andrew Jackson. Okay. Uh, for you guys, um, I put in the uh, I put the DBQ. Yay! Everybody's. Three favorite letters. Uh, I put the <laughs> I put the DBQ up in the um, in the classroom. You'll see it's not due until the twenty seventh. I've never done this before. Made something due like during the Christmas break. I was gonna make it due the end of the day on Wednesday next week, but I figured ah whatever. You know, um, maybe you you know you just want to get away from the family for a few minutes during Christmas and write a nice little essay. I don't know, but I didn't want to rob you of that opportunity. So anyway, um, it's due on 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 uh, Sunday, end of the day, Sunday, the twenty seventh of December. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with the snowstorm. I was wrong. I was misinformed. I was told. I was misinformed, Mister Barrow. Can you imagine? I was told originally that we're going to have snow days as remote learning days, but that's not the case. If, uh, if we have a snow day, there's just no school, which personally I think is better anyway, but whatever. So what I'll do is the next time we have class, I'm going to go over the DBQ with you. But, but before we go over it in any kind of detail, what I'd like to do is, oops, I didn't want to do that, is I would like to, my entire screen, yes, yes, yes. Okay, I'd like to go over with you the question for the DBQ, because as we're going to be going over some of the information today, uh, I think it's easier when you know what question you're going to have to answer um, when it comes to understanding what it is that we're talking about with Andrew Jackson. So, this is the DBQ. Okay, this is your basic question. Uh, like I said, I put this in the classroom today. It says Jacksonian Democrats viewed themselves as the guardians of the United States Constitution, political democracy, individual liberty, and equality of economic opportunity. So, four things. Okay, four things. It says, in light of the following documents and your knowledge of the 1820s and 1830s, to what extent do you agree with the Jacksonians' view of themselves? So, you have four... So, the theme is Jacksonian Democrats, Andrew Jackson. Okay? The subtopics, you have four of them. Were they guardians of the Constitution? Were they guardians of political democracy? Guardians of individual liberty? Were they guardians of equality of economic opportunity? Now, if you were to write this essay, if this was like your AP uh, DBQ that you had to do, this should be six paragraphs. Okay, it's a lot. You'd have your intro where you have your thesis and your contextualization. Then you would have four body paragraphs, one for each subtopic, and then your conclusion. Now, I don't want to overburden you, okay? This whole thing is weird with me being here and you're all there and some people are always over there and who knows what's going on. 
So instead of doing four, we're just gonna do two, okay? You can choose any two. If you would like to uh, talk about them being the guardians of the Constitution and the guardians of individual liberty, go for it, okay? It is totally, totally up to you. So instead of doing all four, you only have to do two, okay? Uh, anybody have any questions about that? And again, don't call me a hero. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't want to hear that, okay? I uh, just want to kind of make this a little bit more streamlined and give you all the opportunity to write a really good essay as opposed to a really long essay, all right? All right. Okay, so let's get to it. Andrew Jackson, when last we spoke, we talked about what happened with his wife, right? Uh, That unfortunately, right on the eve of his being elected president of the United States, uh, his wife passed away. Uh, And he was very, very upset about it. Um, He was very angry at certain people about it. And, you know, it's an already hardened angry person uh, just gets a little bit more angry as he enters into the White House. Um, Okay, you know, I would just like to thank a couple of people for making this all possible. Uh, I'd like to thank my good friends. There he is. Mr. Randall Grossman. Okay. Look at him right here, just helping out the, the, the children of the wood. That's what he does all the time. And then over here, we've got our, our my, my good friend, Flat Tapia. Flat Tapia, everybody. Him and his bottle of water. Did you know that Mr. Flat Tapia once said that Europe is defined as excessive walking? So you will need to stay hydrated. So there he is with his bottle of water. Flat Tapia, everybody. Flat Tapia. Okay. All right. Let's move on here. So, 1828 election. Andrew Jackson, remember, he goes around the country. And uh, as he is basically campaigning, he says, Hey, look, in 1824, you all elected me as your president. I wasn't robbed. Your voice was taken away from you. Uh, Which is really, truly just a brilliant way of spinning it. Um, He basically says, you know, Yeah, sure, it's me, but it's you. It's all the votes that you cast, all the ballots that you cast that the government decided didn't really matter and they worked things out so that I would not get reelected. So then what do we have happen? Well, we have a record number at the time. of People go out, cast ballots, and he wins. And it's a pretty, you know, it's a landslide. 178 to 83 electoral votes. Okay, so what is happening? What's happening in the country around this time? Well, we have our center of population is moving out west. Okay, people are getting away from the eastern seaboard and they are heading west. Why? Because land is available. Um, The government offered a program where for $10 you would get 50 acres of land and an ass, (laughs) a donkey. Um, It was part of the Homestead Act, okay, which allowed for people to, again, For $10, which was really just like a paperwork fee, you would get 50 acres of land and a donkey. Pretty pretty good opportunity. The problem was that the land that they got was barren. There was nothing there. You had to develop it, which is something that we'll talk about in a little bit more detail soon. Okay, so who is the Jackson Coalition? Who are his supporters? His supporters are basically going to be 
the planter elite in the South, okay, people who owned large plantations, who owned lots of slaves. Um, Jackson is really, really very smart with his way of how he deals with the uh, topic of slavery. He never really takes a side. But while he never really takes a side in saying slavery is good or slavery is bad, one of his actions kind of gives us a bit of a look into how he felt about it. Um, while he was president, he had the postmaster general, the person who was in charge of the mail, uh, remove any abolitionist materials. So uh, anything that was going to try to persuade people against slavery would be taken out of the mail. Okay, so, you know, you can make of that whatever you will. Uh, people on the frontier, right? Those people who are heading out west, trying to create for themselves a new life. Those are his people. Artisans, people who are competing with factory-produced products. So what does that mean, an artisan? I can go and I can buy a Nike hoodie, right? It would cost me like $30, $35, $40, something like that. There will be probably another 20,000 hoodies just like it because they're mass-produced in factories. Or I could get a hand-knit wool sweater for much more money uh, that's made by one person. And it's, you know, a one-of-a-kind one thing. An artisan is the person who does the one-of-a-kind thing, okay? They're competing with factory-produced goods. And so those are the people that he is going to get as his support. Um, and, of course, as I mentioned yesterday, the spoil system, when I talked about my friends who ran for the uh, – try to be in charge of the roads – uh, spoil system. To the victor belong the spoils, okay? That's going to happen, and he's going to get the backing of immigrants in the cities. Why? Common man. Common man. That's what he's all about, right? The common man. Speaking of which, Jackson's faith in the common man. He has a intense distrust of Eastern establishment, monopolies, and special privilege. Okay, let's go back. That's why he is helping out these people, the artisans. All right. He hates New England business. He hates people who are making all this kind of money off of the laboring of factory workers, off of immigrants and things like that. He doesn't like the idea of them being taken advantage of, which is probably why, while he supports these guys, he'll never make any kind of statement on slavery. Because if he would have, it would have definitely come across as somewhat hypocritical. Okay, so hates the eastern establishment big cities big business um his heart and soul was with the plain folk okay people who were again common common normal people um most of the people in the country at this time were farmers they were making money in agriculture and those are the people that he believed that that's what he what he envisioned the country as being one of his heroes is thomas jefferson thomas jefferson Envision the United States as a nation of farmers. That's what he would say time and time again. It's a nation of farmers, nation of farmers. Jackson wants to basically see that come true. Okay. One of his goals is to make a reality what Thomas Jefferson's dream was. And as it says there, <coughs> excuse me. And, you know, if I were to be writing this DBQ essay... I would steal this 100%. 
Um, I would say that, you know, he had the belief that the common man was capable of uncommon achievements. He was basically a walking, talking poster for motivational speaking. Um, he really, truly, you know, he saw himself as an example to all Americans that, hey, look, here I am. I came from nothing, absolutely nothing, destitute, impoverished, an orphan. And yet he ascended to the top, right? Becoming the president of the United States. Okay, the reign of the King Mob. So he gets elected. What happens? Well, he opens up the White House on his inauguration to the public. <laughs> Can you imagine? He basically says, hey, we're going to, you elected me. So how could I not invite you, the regular people, to the White House for a party? And so that's what he does. And he opens the White House up, and there are fights that break out. There are a lot of people who are getting absolutely um, inebriated, and it turns into a whole big mess. And right from the beginning, right from the get-go, you have his political adversaries saying, See? This is exactly what we did not want. This is what we were afraid of. This is why we tried to keep him out in the first place. Here is a, uh, a portrait of him from when he became the president. Okay, we're going to talk about three major issues that um, Jackson is going to run into. Okay, uh, his stance is on them. And the first of which is going to be the nullification issue. Okay, and actually I wanted to cut something out of this. Let me just check any questions podcast sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends. Yes, that's right. This podcast is, let's take a break, commercial break here. This podcast is coming to you from Raid Shadow Legends. Is that that good? That worked for you, Mr. Bailey? (laughs) Uh, Okay. The nullification issue. So, what is nullification? Nullification goes back to the time of Jefferson and Madison. In 1798, you have the Alien and Sedition Acts. John Adams puts them out. Okay? It basically says you're not allowed to speak against the government. If you do, you can go to jail. All right? Bam. Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, they say, what the holy heck is this? Uh, what was it? Cheese on a cracker? Christ on a cracker. Christ on a cracker. All right. Thomas Jefferson says, well, Christ on a cracker. We can't have that. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, He says, how how could you ever possibly have something like this? This is the most insane thing. The United States Constitution says freedom of speech. How can we make it illegal to question the government? Right? That's what what it was all about. The, The Bill of Rights is about protecting the people from an overbearing government. So, you know, Christ on a cracker, you can't have that. (laughs) Uh, And so they come up with what were known as the Virginia and Kentucky uh, resolutions, which said that states had the right to nullify or get rid of, basically void out, anything that the federal government does if it was injurious to the people of the state. Okay, that is what nullification is all about now. This time, it's all about the tariff issue. So, what happens? 1832, we have a new tariff. We spoke about this a little bit yesterday. Okay? The whole issue with the tariff is that it hurt the South. It helped the North. The South is very upset about this. In 1832, they actually raise the tariff. So, therefore, 
fees are even higher, okay, for anybody who was going to be purchasing foreign goods. South Carolina, they are not happy about this at all. Um, the leading senator in South Carolina, that guy, once again, John Calhoun, and John Calhoun, his reaction is, we're going to secede. We are going to break away from the United States. Andrew Jackson's response, he says, uh, <laughs> no, you're not. And he says, we're going to mobilize the army. If you think you're going to do that, that is treasonous. And we will bring in the army and we will stop this from happening. Happily, there's a man named Henry Clay. And yesterday I had said that, in my opinion, Henry Clay is probably one of the most intelligent people to never become president in the United States. So Henry Clay, he comes up with something that is known as the Compromise Tariff. The Compromise Tariff lowered the tariff all the way back to the way that it was in 1818. South Carolina is unhappy. The federal government does not have to go to war with one of its own states, which would have been terrible. And everybody kind of goes home. The bad part about this is that the South kind of makes their power play here. They say, we're not going to stand for this or we're out. And they get their way, don't they? Um, it really you know, it might not have been the smartest thing to do, but it's how they work things out. Okay, so that's number one. Our second issue for Jackson is going to be concerning his Native American policy. Okay, we're talking about Indian removal. Um, now, again, you know, I know obviously the proper terminology would be Native Americans. However, the uh, verbiage, if, that, if that's right, too far, I don't know. I, I, I hate having an English teacher in the room right now because, uh, you know, my grammar, <laughs> let's just say, uh, I, you know, I'm very happy that word has a spell check and a grammar check. <laughs> anyway, the words that are used are Indian removal. That's the actual law from 1830. So that's what we're going to call it to uh, steer clear of any kind of confusion. So what's Jackson's goal? Jackson's goal is to basically remove people who he saw as squatters. He looked at Native Americans. <laughs> he looked at Native Americans as people who had no right to the land. They were not paying taxes. The United States government purchased Louisiana from France. And so if they if the natives were not going to pay, they had to go away. All right? So his goal is if you're not going to pay, you got to go. In 1830, Congress passes something known as the Indian Removal Act, granting the president the power to forcibly remove natives from their lands. Now we have two Supreme Court cases, all right? I'm going to let you look into these uh, in more detail in your guided reading. Uh, the Cherokee Nation versus Georgia, Worcester versus Georgia. Basically, all you need to know to sum it up, both of these cases side with the natives. We have now, right, three branches of government. You have your legislative, Congress, they make the laws. The executive, president, he's a chief executive, he's going to enforce the laws. So Congress, they pass the Indian Removal Act. Jackson now wants to move on with it and remove the natives. And you have the judicial branch, the courts, and they say, no, 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 not so fast. It's illegal to do so. What is the reaction of Jackson? So Jackson, his famous quote is, 
John Marshall. John Marshall was the uh, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. He says, John Marshall has made his decision. Now let him enforce it. Okay? So, in other words, oh, that's nice that that's what you're saying. But I'm still going to do whatever I want. Okay? So, you know, if you choose to talk about uh, Jackson and the Jacksonian Democrats upholding the Constitution, part of the Constitution very, very simply states that we're going to have separation of power into the three branches and we're going to have checks and balances to make sure one branch does not become too powerful here right it sure seems they did not really care about that too much at all so what do we have happen what's the who is the first group to kind of uh, fall into um, danger when it comes to being removed well it's the Cherokee uh, so here is a little something for you, a little little visual aid. Uh, and again, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I hate Google Slides. If this was a PowerPoint presentation, you would get to see things moving around and stuff like that. But it's a Google Slide presentation and it's terrible. So here we go. Money is found. All right. So Northwestern Georgia, they find money, find gold. Cha-ching. Now, gold sometimes makes people go a little bit crazy, right? Gold member from Austin Powers, you know, a little nutty. And uh, this guy right here, this guy right here. Oh my God, is that me from 20 years ago? It sure is. Uh, that was me holding two uh, gold bullion bricks <laughs> in a uh, in Curacao. They were found in a um, uh, in a shipwreck. Uh, the, interestingly enough, right to the left is a guy holding uh, a security guard holding an AK. Yeah, yeah, AK forty-seven, and uh, he's like, "Put that down! Put that down!" I was like, "Oh, oh God!" But uh, at least I was able to to get the picture. Anyway, gold makes people crazy, so crazy that when it was found, they decided we're going to move the Native Americans off their lands because we want the gold. So they break them up into three groups. Okay, again, if this were uh, PowerPoint, you'd see them moving, but whatever, can't do it. Now, they break them up into three groups. You have on the yellow path here, you have your old and infirm people, older people and people who are sick. On the red, women and children. The blue, what they called able-bodied men. All right, so basically everybody who is healthy, everybody who... Um, you know, men age 15 to probably like in, you know, early 50s. Now, why did they break up the families? They broke up the families to try and lessen the chance of any kind of rebellion. Um, this is a really, really unfortunate moment in American history. In fact, 100 years later, a little man in Germany, Adolf Hitler, he would say that when he was looking at ways for moving... Jewish people and other dissenters, people against the Nazi party around Europe, he actually took the ideas from the American government with how they moved natives. So, uh, you know, really, really pretty ugly, but it is what it is. It, it, did, it did happen. Uh, unfortunately, once they get out into Oklahoma, more gold is found. And guess what? They would be moved yet again. So here, the red, the, these are your Trail of Tears paths. Again, bringing them over into Oklahoma. And then these green ones, it wasn't just the Cherokee who were going to be removed. Uh, it was also going to be all different groups. Um, the you know, Chickasaw, the Creek, the Seminole, just to name uh, a few. So let me show you something here. Okay. 
if you were to, for your DBQ, talk about that, right? Talk about individual liberties. Now, you can look at this two ways. You can look at it from the vantage point of the natives and say, well, their individual liberties, their freedoms were taken away from them. Okay. You could also look at it from the people who are moving out west and saying that their individual liberties were protected by the Jacksonians moving the natives off the land. It's a really kind of crazy way that you could do that, but you absolutely could use both sides. In fact, Andrew Jackson, while today we look back and we say, that's horrible, how did you do that? And we're going to talk about the stats and figures in a moment. Back then, people loved him for it because they were like, you see that? Finally, we have somebody who's getting something done. Crazy, but it is what it is. Okay, now, if you do decide to talk about the Trail of Tears, you have this picture. This is document letter G. Now, there is no text. There's no information here about the Trail of Tears. Just this picture. This is a perfect opportunity for you to introduce evidence beyond the documents or your outside information. Okay, how? Well, let's talk about the stats and the figures. So the Trail of Tears, what happens? In 1838, 15,000 Cherokee get moved by the federal soldiers. They're going to walk for about 116 straight days. 116 straight days. Um, 25% of all the Cherokee who moved died. They just could not keep up. Uh, soldiers would not stop for those who you know were sick, who needed a break. They were undersupplied. They did not have enough food. And then the Cherokee Nation is charged $6 million by the federal government as a relocation fee. Insane, right? You say, how, how could this ever, ever possibly happen? This is a rationalization for them taking the gold that was found on their land. So there are cold, hard stats and figures that hopefully you could use in conjunction with that document should you choose to go that way. And here is the same picture, okay? Just hopefully, you know, you do look back at this and uh, you're like, oh yeah, that's right. Okay, last topic. We're gonna talk about economic opportunity. So, the National Bank. The National Bank, the National Bank. Who created the National Bank? Let's see, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait. Let's go back to the meeting here. Um, who created the National Bank? You can unmute yourself. You can put a note. Hamilton! Hey! Hey! Good job. Who was totally against the National Bank? Jefferson! Hey! All right. Awesome. Good. Yes. Jefferson. Now, from everything that I've said so far, okay... Which side do you think Jackson's going to be on? Is he going to be for the National Bank or against it? I, <laughs> I'm so dumb. I went back into my presentation. Uh, he's obviously going to be with... He likes Jefferson. Jefferson is his hero. He will be against the National Bank. So he viewed the National Bank, much like Jefferson did, as becoming a, an unconstitutional fourth branch of government. The guy in charge of the bank at the time was a man named Nicholas Biddle, okay? What Jackson wants to do is take the ability away from banks, from, again, that Eastern power, all right? Um, Eastern power, again, being big business. Take it away from them and give the ability 
to lend money to the common man. Now, lending money is extremely lucrative. There is so much money to be made in it. For example, if today you know you were going to buy a house on Long Island, the house costs you $300,000. I don't know very many people who have $300,000 just sitting around. So what do they do? They take out a mortgage. You're most likely going to pay that off over 30 years. You're going to have what's called compounded interest on it. And over those 30 years, you're not going to pay back $300,000. <laughs> nay, nay. You're going to pay uh, closer to $550,000. So where does that extra $250,000 go? To the bank. Jackson did not want this. He said, no way they should make all the money off of people just trying to head out west, right? Maybe take out loans to get some machines necessary for farming. Take out loans to be able to build themselves a house. He said, no, we're not going to have big business making money off it. So he tries to destroy the National Bank and replace them with what are called pet banks or sometimes referred to as wildcat banks. Okay. In your reading on chapter 13, you're going to see mention of soft and hard money. Hard, also known as speci. Okay. Soft money is paper money. Paper money being like, you know, dollars, okay? This is a new idea at the time. Hard money, coins, that was what was much more, uh, used much more. People felt it was more safe. The paper was almost like an IOU, an early version of an IOU, okay? They really were actually called banknotes. Anyway, what happens is Jackson, he wants to get rid of the National Bank, replace it with pet banks. Pet banks... So the federal government, instead of funding the National Bank, they would fund these pet banks. Pet banks would be set up all along the frontier, out west, and they would be the ones who are giving out loans to people who are also out west trying to get their lives started. What happens? In 1832, Jackson's going to veto the extension of the second National Bank of the United States. So he vetoes it. Right, He's going to use his ability to veto more than any other president. Vetoing means to stop or to say no. All right. In 1836, the charter expired, and for a brief period of time, the bank was gone. It's not going to be gone forever. The issue is that when you get rid of the Bank of the United States, uh, it's going to send people who were uh, spending a lot of money in investing, they're going to freak out, and we're going to have what's called an economic panic, which is the first... Uh, sign of a, uh, a depression. It goes panic, recession, depression. Okay? In 1841, the bank was bankrupt, but it would be back again. All right? Okay. 1832, Jackson runs for re-election. He wins in a landslide, 219-49. Huge numbers. He, at the time, got more popular votes than any candidate had ever received in the history of presidential elections. Okay, he would serve for the last four years from 1832 to 1836. And then he kind of just goes off into the sunset and retires. Um, here is the last known uh, a, a photograph that was taken of him um, just about a year before he passed away in 1845. So that's it. That basically brings to a conclusion our discussion on Andrew Jackson. Does anybody have any questions?
I'm still in the clouds. I am still in the clouds. No questions. I have covered this completely. That's amazing. Um, all right. So if we have school on Thursday, we're going to go over the documents. If we don't have school on Thursday, then we don't have school. And that's pretty damn sweet. Tomorrow, um, in lieu of doing a meeting, so not doing a meeting, all I'm asking that you do for those 20 minutes, look over the documents so that when we do have school again, be it Thursday or Friday, uh, you do kind of have a little bit of a background for what we're going to be talking about. All right. Any questions? No, no, no. All right. Dana Lewis. No. Was she late today? Nah, who cares? Uh, all right. I hope that you all, all of you have a great day. If you have any questions, please let me know. I'm going to be putting in your grades um, tomorrow morning. You know, when you say I was on time, it almost sounds like you weren't. Peace out. Cub Scout. Wow. Cub Scout. <laughs> All right, guys, you all have a great day. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be talking to you soon.